This is the Ball Talk Pod. Evan Kinsey. Starting now. Good afternoon, and thanks for tuning in to the Ball Talk Pod with Evan Kinsey. On today's show, we welcome Angelo Carriero from ESPN 1300 Lexington WLXD to the show. Angelo, thanks for coming on. Man, thanks for having me, Evan. I had a lot of fun last time, so I'm glad to be back on again. Uh, the last time Angelo came on the show was back in March, so it's been a while, but it's really nice having him back on the show. Okay, well, we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to start out with Kentucky's loss to Duke on Tuesday night. The Wildcats suffered a 118-84 loss to the Blue Devils, marking the largest defeat in John Calipari's career. Even though Duke is ranked as the fourth-best team in the nation, a ranking that will certainly go up this week, uh, this comes as a complete shock to most. Angelo, what were your thoughts on this game? Well, Evan, I think my initial thought was just I was astounded that for as much talent as we have uh, as a Kentucky basketball team and as much work Cal put in, to the team before the season started, because if you listen to him at media day in the Bahamas and even before the Bahamas trip, he continuously talked about how this year was different. This team was different, how he was going to work hard. And Evan, it's like, it's, it's like we were all ready and biting. And then the second the lights came on and the ball was tipped, UK didn't know how to play basketball. That bothered me a lot. It wasn't that we lost. It's not even that we lost by that margin. It's that we lost in that fashion. It was just, it was the sense of they weren't ready when we had so long to prepare for the game. So I think that was my biggest impression and my biggest takeaway from that game. Well, both of these teams got preseason tournaments. Uh, Duke went up to Canada and the Wildcats went down the Bahamas. So uh, they both got some experience. I was just really shocked. Duke only surrendered four turnovers to Kentucky. I was really surprised by that. I figured UK's length uh, would really bother them. And they got a little players. Zion's a little bit out of control, I think, sometimes. But he was playing phenomenal. Him and R.J. Barrett, uh, Cam Reddish, they were just lighting him up. I was surprised with that. Uh, Kelton Johnson, uh, also from Reed Travis, both uh, putting up. uh, Well, Kelton put up 23 and Reed with 22. Um, Tyler Harrow followed up behind him with 14. Uh, but aside from those three, not a whole lot of production from the other players with a combined total of 25 points from the six who played over 10 minutes. Uh, you know, before this uh, season, you looked at the roster, it looked really deep coming in. Nine former five-stars on the roster, but we didn't really see that much on the floor this game. Do you think this will continue to be the same, or can we expect the bench to start taking more of the load of the starters? I think, well, just to, just to your original point, um, first on the turnovers of Duke, again, that just goes back to them not being able to play. They weren't playing basketball. Kentucky wasn't. They didn't know how to play basketball. They were giving all the shots that they wanted, that Duke wanted. They were giving them to them. And I think another problem was that, you know, they have the three best wings in the class and the likely top three picks of the draft. We have one wing in our entire roster, and that's Kelvin Johnson. So that's the first thing on that, too. And I know I've heard a lot of people say uh, two of the names that you said did well, but I didn't think Reed Travis or Tyler Hero, and especially Reed Travis, I don't think he had a good game, man. And I know the stats are there, but he wasn't playing interior defense at all. He did not know. He did not look like he belonged on that court for being a former uh, first-team Pac-12 guy. But uh, to answer your question on whether or not the bench is going to supplant the starters or what's going to happen, this is a total uh, nine-man effort. Uh, from these guys for all the nine five stars, you know, recruits that we have. I think PJ was ready to play. I think Hagens was ready to play to an extent. Quickly, I'm not worried about. Hero, I think, will get it under control. I think the guy that come that stands out to me the most that needs to play more is EJ Montgomery. I think he is he was the one that got comfortable the quickest and and I don't know how he's gonna progress. I wanna see how he does in the month of December and the month of November as we continue along before the SEC play starts. But that might be a guy that might be better off starting because it seems like once he's in the game and he gets to rolling, kind of like a to use a football comparison, like how Derrick Henry only gets better as the quarters go on. He still needs all those touches. 
you know, it might be the same thing for EJ. It's that the more he touches the ball, the better and better the guy gets. So he might be a guy I think we see come into the starting lineup, especially since Nick Richards. Again, Nick Richards is, if you only watched Nick Richards play against teams that are worse than Kentucky by a pretty big margin, you would think that he is, he is going to be a top five pick someday. But every single time there's a big game, he does not show up to play. And I love Nick Richards. I really do. He's one of my favorite players on the team. But, you know, as a basketball player, that continuously happens. So in my opinion, I think that Nick Richards is the one that's going to likely fall out of the lineup. And I think a guy like EJ is going to come in. And then I think we're going to see some stuff over the next couple of weeks that kind of improve the team. Last year, Nick, he had, our, like you said, he disappeared against the good teams. I think in like the first week of the season, he had like a 20-point, 15-rebound game. Uh, it kind of reminded me of how Scalabissier was when he was on the team. He had a crazy like first month of the season, then couldn't hit yeah. a shot to finish the year. Uh, oh, man, I was – you know what? I know both of those – you know what's crazy? I remember both of those games you're talking about. Nick Richards had a game against, I think, Fort Wayne where he was just an absolute madman, and then he never did anything. And Scalabissier, I saw him when we played New Jersey Institute of Technology, and I, I saw what everybody thought he was going to be someday. That dude legit was the top two recruit that he was billed to be. It's just that he never, you know – Cal admitted not to use him right and whatnot, but I've never, I've never really blamed Scal as much on that as I think others have. But you're right; it's a, it's a decent comparison. Okay, so we saw a lot from Kelton Johnson. What were you most impressed about of his game? He's a little bit undersized for the small forward at six six, but he uh, makes up with his length. What do you think about how he played? I think uh, I think Kelton Johnson, when it comes down to it, especially with the – and I'm talking about for the future, the way the NBA is going, I think he'll be kind of fine as a three, especially with how many three-guard lineups are going to be coming in the future. But I, what most impressed me about Kelton Johnson, I don't know if you uh, necessarily remember this, Evan, but back in 2013, we had a team in – it, it was Harrow, it was uh, Julius Mays, those guys, and Nerlens Noel. Okay, that team was in at the beginning of the season, and you know they weren't great. But because Nerlens Noel was a dog, that guy showed up to every game ready to dominate. Like he had the mentality that nobody would ever be better than him, and it showed. And when that guy before he tore his ACL, he was the he was the glue sticking that team together. Man, Kelton Johnson came onto that court, and he's the only single player on Kentucky's team that matched the ferocity and the energy that Duke came out with, I would take Kelvin Johnson to like war with me because that dude seems like he would do anything he could to come out alive. And I, I just think that dude, I think the world of Kelvin Johnson, I think he's going to be the heartbeat of this team. That reminds me a lot of uh, how Shea was last year. I, every time you watch him, he just poised. He'd always get the layup while you needed it. He'd hit, hit the jumper, get the steal. Uh, that's the guy who uh, I think Kelton can be a lot like. Their games are uh, aren't similar at all, but the way he just has fights in every game that reminds me a lot of Shea. Um, what do you think about that? I think uh, I think Shea and Kelton are a little different in the sense that. I think Shea was a quiet, I lead by example, kind of my play on the court. I'm not loud. I, I kind of would take a Michael Kidd Gilchrist as a Kelvin Johnson type. Now, I don't think MKG was as uh, a madman as Kelvin Johnson is. I don't know if last time we had someone that just seemed as borderline uh, unstable, just not, not from a blow up on our test type. I'm just saying as a guy that seems like he, he would, he would do whatever it took to win almost like a wrestling character. But I think uh play style wise, I think NKG is a guy that you can kind of look towards Kelvin Johnson and say that maybe that he has a lot, a little bit of that, of that in him. But KJ, I think Kelvin Johnson might be the, 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 most intense player under Cal we've seen. Who's the who's the player that you said before Kelden was the most intense out of any of his recruits at Kentucky? I thought Randall was pretty intense. He was. He was intense. That's I a good love, one. I love Randall. Like uh, he just wouldn't quit on the rebounds. I think if a player doesn't give up on rebounds, that shows a lot about their character. Uh, you see uh, Tyson Chandler last night with the Lakers. He would not quit. Uh, getting offensive rebounds for the team, putting him in position. That's a long No matter how many guys he had to foul and push out of his way, he got those rebounds. <laughs> hey, we got the win, though. 
But uh, Randall, <laughs> that's exactly what Randall did at, at college. He'd get like he'd get fifteen rebounds a game, get you sixteen, seventeen points. He just did everything you did. He tried to win so hard. Uh, that's who he reminds you of a lot. Okay, um, so we're talking about how Duke has the trio uh, of players that are probably going to be the top three picks in the draft. Uh, we got loads of talent on this roster. Uh, every UK team has that, but. Uh, every year we have a few who go to the NBA draft and leaves early. The one who stands out to me, though, uh, in the draft has to be Keldon. I know we talked about him earlier, but he just seems like the most NBA-ready. He seems like he can contribute day one. What's your opinion on Keldon being the most ready of the players? I think it's fair. I think what he showed, and especially after a game where that's an NBA game, Duke-Kentucky last night, that was a straight-up NBA game. It was, and Duke was more ready to be in the NBA than everybody on that court except for Kelton. He was equally up there. So I think just by the eye test, you know, I think Kelton Johnson's the guy that's the most NBA ready. I think uh, I think that kind of speaks for itself. Do you think there's any other draft picks on this team? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're getting ahead of ourselves just because it's so early. Um, but I think – the more EJ gets touches, he's going to be a guy that'll go NBA. I think Tyler Hero's an NBA player. I think PJ Washington's an NBA player after this season. So there's four right there. And I think a guy like, uh, and then guys like Emmanuel Quickly and Ashton Hagens, maybe to boost up their draft stock, just depending on how this season goes. So those are guys. So those are, those are four in PJ, KJ, uh, Tyler, and EJ that I think all are NBA bound after this year. And I think that Hagen's and quickly are two guys that'll probably end up throwing their name in the hat. And I don't know if I'm forgetting any, and, and Reed Travis obviously will be gone just by nature. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's everybody. I don't, um, I love quad a, but he needs to develop more. And Nick Richards is just who he is really. I don't know if he'll ever gain that basketball IQ to stick on the court for big games. And if he does, then he's an NBA player. But uh, right now, I'd say there's four definite, and then Reed Travis, and then I think Quickly and Hagens are two guys that can play in the NBA if they develop. Okay. Uh, what do you think about the rest of this season? They got some big games this year. Uh, they got Kansas at Rupp uh, later in the year. They got Louisville. I don't, they might have – they play North Carolina this year? Yeah, they play North Carolina. Uh, it goes Utah, North Carolina, oh. I believe. And then we face Kansas at some point. Yeah. What do you think about the rest of this season? I know where everybody's going crazy about the opening loss, but what do you think how we can uh, boost to learn from this, and how do you think we can uh, take this into season? I think uh, I think the whole thing goes back to not the players, but it goes back on Cal for this game. I don't know what he did for those months to get these guys to go out on the floor and not know what they're doing. I don't know if he's given them a hands-off approach to the point where it's become detrimental. Maybe that was because maybe he thought the team – he's inside the team more than we are, you know. So maybe he thought they were getting too big for their britches and it's like get blown out on national TV and then he let it go too far. That's a theory that I've heard from a couple group mates of mine that we – on another podcast. But I I think that – Cal is going to have to look himself in the mirror and say, whatever I did didn't work, scorch earth, and completely build a new team than what we were going to be. I think we were on a path to go one way, and it has completely changed. We will never see what this team could have become this way because I think we could go on another path. And there are a couple scenarios, and they're bad ones. This could be this could be 20, uh, 20 12 Nerlens Noel got hurt and the team went to the NIT. This could be the 20, uh, the, the 10 loss eight seed that made the national title game where it's a bunch of good cats that don't get it together till the end. Or it could be the 38 and one team still only the one loss came early instead of late. So those are the three ways I can see this team going. It's up to Cal to guide them in the direction he wants to see them in. Well, I think a lot of it has to do because uh, everybody hyped them up so much. This is one. Of, everybody's saying this is one of the deepest teams. This is one of the deepest teams, number two ranking in the country. Uh, I think that they thought they thought about it too much, and they thought they were, uh, they could just beat up on Duke because their bench wasn't very great. 
it was just their starters. But I don't know. That's probably that's probably the most likely. I, I honestly don't think Cal has coached as well as he could have in the last few years with all of his talent. Um, hopefully he can turn it around this year. But I agree. No, I think it's all on him. And that's the thing. You're, you're going into a game where Mike, Mike Krzyzewski is only contemporary in the last 10 to 15 years. Like, really, truly, his competitor has been Co- uh, Coach Cal. And Coach Cal's only real, true contemporary has been Coach K. Okay? That's the, those are the only guys, Coach Cal and Coach K. Those are the two coaches of the last 15 years. And you're going squad versus squad. Coach K jacked her style of getting all the best players on the team. I'd rather have talent than what, – what does Cal say? I'd rather have talent than experience. You know, I'd rather have the best talent on the court than the most experience, and that's true. And this is a big game, and it meant a lot. And you completely let it go. And all those people over the years that say he can't coach, he can't coach, he can't coach, you know, it just validated those people. It made you, it, you lost the biggest battle to date in the, in the all time coach K versus coach Cal argument. It's just a hard loss to eat, man. It just, it really is for him. Hopefully they can turn it around, but um, now transitioning into football, Kentucky Wildcats got a huge win last week. Not on the field, unfortunately, but with the signing of four-star all-purpose back Wendell Robinson. After being recruited by Ohio State, Alabama, Nebraska, and Michigan, the Western Hills star chose the Cats. This is undoubtedly a huge gift for the Cats, having someone who can step in and fill the role of Benny Snell Jr. if he decides to leave for the NFL draft, and it significates a change in the program. Getting highly rated in-state recruits has been a struggle for the Cats in recent years, having to get a lot of their players from Ohio or from Ju- Juco, junior college. But they finally really hit on one. Robinson does it all, whether through the form of rushing, receiving, defense, and even has three touching pass, three passing touchdowns in the last two seasons. The impact he can make with this team offensively, especially if Snell comes back, could propel this struggling offense to the next level. Angelo, what do you think of this get for the Cats? I think it's a big deal in some aspects. I think it's a big deal in the sense of we the, the Kentucky Wildcat team needs to do a to show in-state recruits that they want to come to Kentucky, not that they feel like they have to. Okay. Wandale made a, now I do a a pregame show. It's the UK game day pregame show on ESPN sports radio with coach Steve Ortmeyer and Neil Jackson. And coach Ortmeyer has told me multiple times that if Wandale wants to live in Kentucky after college is over, Kentucky is the right choice for him because that, you know, they will take care of him. That's the state will take care of him. The people will, the college will. And that was his answer at why he committed to Kentucky. He said, you know, the thing is, he said, the thing is, is if I, and I'm paraphrasing, if I come in here and I do what I'm supposed to do and I do my work, then I'll never have to, you know, want because everything will be set up. for me, and that's true. I think, an issue, one, I, I do know that he wanted to get early playing time. He doesn't see himself as a running back or really a receiver. He sees himself as maybe a Lynn Bowden type where he says he likes to get the ball in many different areas, kind of a multi-purpose threat than a true wide receiver or a true running back, and that's cool. Like I'd rather see that because you know A.J. Rose is going to be there. I think uh, Kavassier Smoke is going to be a real grinder of a running back, and Rodriguez is coming. You've got Bowden and the receiving core, man. You've seen the receiving core this year. It just hasn't been good. Hasn't been good really under under Coach Stoops at all. We've never had a good receiving core. So that'll be interesting to see. My my worry is less for Kentucky and more for the recruits that come here is because I want Kentucky to be the school that the top in state recruits come to. But you can't really point me in the direction of how that's worked out too many times over the last now we have gotten Kentucky kids that have succeeded. But the top guys, like I think Cash Daniels succeeding. You know, I think I think he's doing a good job. But Landon Young's net was a five star top twenty recruit. And I know he got injured, but it like it wasn't like he had a ton of an NFL draft buzz. And then you see Jedrick Willis down at Alabama starting as a true sophomore. You know, like you see you see that stuff. You see some certain positions UK doesn't develop their stars right. Matt never developed which was which was a big deal these kids see that and Rondale Moore he didn't want to come here he goes to Purdue he's a superstar he's a true freshman at Purdue so I want UK to prove to Wandale that 
in-state guys will be developed thoroughly and taken care of in the right way so other top in-state guys choose to come to UK because they know they can be developed for the next level. I'm glad Cash Daniel is working out as well as he is right now, and hopefully that trend continues under Stoops. Okay, well, we got, we've got we got Benny Snell uh, on the roster now. Uh, and, you know, how he, he contributed early on. He uh I don't know how many touchdowns he had. He had like ten touchdowns his freshman year. Um, yep. Do you, Do you think he can? Do you think Wandell Wandell can contribute early like that? Not in the same way. I don't think he'll ever be a Benny Snell type, nor does I think he want to be a Benny Snell type. Not only is Benny Snell a special running back, he and a special kid. He's a guy that had the frame to take that load, and I think Wandale is a kid that's going to be a multi-purpose threat. So can he score 10 touchdowns his uh, freshman year? It's possible. I think I, I definitely think it's possible because I think he's going to get the playing time, and I think he's good enough to get playing time early. But there's a lot of lot of work to be a kid like a Rondale Moore or be a Benny Snell or be someone that gets – I'd have to go – I can look up the stats. It would take me a little bit. So maybe I'll have to get back to you on another podcast with it. But I doubt that – there's been a freshman score before Benny Snell of 10 touchdowns in a year. And I can't, you know, we, like I said, I'd have to go back to stats the last time a fresh, a true freshman came in and scored that many touchdowns from a skill position. So um, I think he has the talent too, but it's just that Benny Snell don't come around often, my man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the thing that excites me the most uh, with the addition of Robinson is uh, it gives Terry Wilson another threat with the ball act. Our pass, uh, Wilson was good last weekend throwing the ball, but he's been really inconsistent throwing the ball throughout the season. His running's been, his uh, rushing has been really well, uh, but his uh, passing has been very mediocre. Uh, With Robinson and they got Bowden, they can really make some noise. The defense hasn't been the problem this year. It's mainly been the offense. When uh, Snell isn't rushing, uh, there's not much you can do except with Bowden and Hopefully, Robinson can uh, change that. Do you think uh, that'll help Wilson a lot? Well, uh, can I ask you a question before I answer the question you just gave me? Yeah. Do you think that, and I've heard this other places, do you think Terry Wilson can develop into a guy like Andre Woodson became? I don't know. Woodson was... Uh, Exactly. I had Woodson on the show, and... I just I don't think he can do that. Woodson's all time leading uh, in touchdowns in UK history with passing yards, passing touchdowns. Absolutely, man. I'm, I, no, I'm with you. I just heard people say, "Well, Woodson wasn't great his sophomore year, and look how he developed through the years." I don't know if Terry can throw, man. Period. And I know he's a young kid, but I, I just don't know if he'll ever develop that. And uh, it, it, it's. Okay, by the, by the way, just to get a break in the action real quick, the last time Kentucky had a 10-touchdown score than Benny Snell, regardless of year, you have to go all the way back to 2010 when Randall Cobb and Derek Locke had 13 and 10 touchdowns, respectively. Wow. So scoring 10 touchdowns isn't even a – and then Randall scored 15 the year before. So, yeah, it's like, like Benny Snell, is, it takes a Randall Cobb, Benny Snell-type talent to come in here. So if Wondell's that, then sure, he'll score 10 touchdowns, but that's some pretty big shoes to fill. Anyways, back to your, back to your question. Again, I don't know if Terry can throw. You say he throw the ball well, but, I mean, the passes he gets are just in his wheelhouse of you should be able to make these passes. Uh, he's really good from five and in. And then after that, I think it's 50-50 balls all the time. I'm just worried about the position in the future. Um, but what, go back to your original question. You said, will uh, will Wandale and those guys help Terry develop? Is that what you asked? Yeah. Um, it's up to Terry, man. I don't think the skill position players really have much to do with it uh, in the sense of, you know, I know that Ollie and Epps and all these guys really need to step up, but Bowden will be back and and AJ will be back and Wanda will be there. It doesn't matter how good those guys are if Terry can't get the ball in the right spot. So, you know, just them helping him out is just kind of saying bailout. It really just develops on if Terry develops into a quarterback or not. So that's a that's definitely a wait to be seen. But yeah, the better weapons, the easier it's gonna be, uh, without a doubt. On your question on Woodson 
I don't think he can develop into a Woodson-type player because I don't think Stoops is really going to do that with his offense. I don't think he's going to be a uh, throw uh, several times a possession. I don't think – no, it's a possession. Um, a drive. I mean, he does it – he passes very rarely. Uh, he'll get like 15 or 16 passes a game. Woodson would go like 30, 32 passes a game. I just don't think uh, Stoops will ever uh, give a quarterback that much rain in the offense. You know, and and it's just, I think it's all always fit the offense to your personnel, not the personnel to your offense, because that's how you're going to get the best results. That's why Graham went from the offense he ran with. No, I don't know if Graham had tolls. I think I'm going back a little too far. But, um, yeah, I think I think it went back a little too far. But it's uh, just run, like, I've been critical of, of Graham multiple times, but one thing that I thought he did well at the beginning of the season that he kind of abandoned is we could have just ran a Mississippi State type of um, – we could have ran a Florida offense back when Tebow – and those running backs and Percy Harvin were there where all the action was done behind the line of scrimmage with ball movement and people would just be able to open up gaps. I just never understood why he didn't press more for the spread option attack with Terry and, and Snell and make it just almost a one-dimensional team instead of trying to pass the ball so much when it just never worked. But, you know, you, you got to keep defenses honest and whatnot, so I'm not going to be too critical. But, um, yeah, I I can see that. I can see him not really spreading out the offense, and especially with a guy like Terry, I just don't think it's going to be possible. Okay, so UK's got three games left, two away at Tennessee and Louisville, and then the home game being senior day against Middle Tennessee. The Cats being 7-2 this year and favored in all three of the remaining games. Uh, we got a great season, ranked, I think, to the 12th, 12th now. We're um, according to the college football bowl playoff. We're eleven. Okay, uh, but we had a great season. I, I don't remember the last time we've had a, a season like this. It's been probably in the before the seventies. But what do you? Uh, it was seventy seventy seven was the last time we had a season like this. Wow. It was nineteen seventy seven. Wow. Uh, but what do you expect from these games? Starting with the game this weekend against the Bulls. <sighs> I think that the Kentucky football players, they have to go one of two ways. Sometimes these young kids feed off the energy of the town, and I think they know they lost the town, essentially, when it came to not going to the SEC championship game. It's kind of like, well, you know, it was still a good season, but it's on to basketball now. That type of feeling, I think they sense that. I think they got to find the inner strength like they have all year to to go on the road and just be the best football team you can be. And... Um, I think it could go one of two ways. If we see a team that's kind of packed it in because they didn't win against Georgia, then you're losing at least one of the next three with the potential for worse. But I think if they come out and they say, no, we're still the best team in the last 40 years and we have a lot to play for and we can make this huge bowl and we can go down and cement our legacy, I think it's a sweep. I think all three of these games are won. So it's really dependent on their and their mood and their attitude. And I'd have to go back and read the press conferences and player quotes to see how they feel about it. But I would have all things guessed that they're hungry. And I know Tennessee will be too. They don't want to lose to Kentucky at home. You know, that's the last SEC game for both teams. And, you know, Tennessee has a lot of pride. But here's the thing, man, is I know Tennessee fans and I know Tennessee people. Tennessee is as bad as you think they are. All right, like this is a team that reminds you of like Joker's UK teams. Like this team's that bad. So I think that Tennessee is, in the, regardless of how we are against Tennessee and as hyped as they can be, I have heard that this Tennessee team is just as bad as bad could be. They beat Charlotte like 14 to 7. And at one point in the third quarter, Charlotte had held Tennessee to negative rushing yards. Charlotte, Evan, like it's, 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 I don't think it's going to be, um, uh, cakewalk necessarily but it'll be a walk in the park if you get my drift i think we're going to be tennessee middle tennessee honestly if you would have told me before the season or if i'd have told you that the last three games of the year middle tennessee would be our toughest opponent you'd you'd, you'd laugh at me but that might be the case here man you know i don't know but um there's two huge robbery games in the next three so those are always closer than you think but i i, I think that i will go with my gut on this team as because i was wrong on them at the beginning of the season they really pulled it out i think they sweep the last three games the one thing I'm looking for during these last three things, last three games, is I want to see if Benny can bounce back. Benny was amazing the first half of the season. The last couple of games, though, 
Uh, I don't, he hasn't had a touchdown in a couple games. Uh, but I just really want to see if he can bounce back to the player that he's been the last couple years. Uh, if he can if he can build back his momentum, I think these three games will be a cakewalk. We can't uh, focus on our defense as much to win these ball games. We've got to get a little bit of production from our offense. Terry's got to keep making the throws like he did against Georgia. Uh, if those things happen, then I think we got a great shot. And Snell did have a rushing touchdown against Georgia and one against Vanderbilt. Okay. I, he, I, yeah. It seemed like he was as active as he normally is in, in those games. Though. Yeah, he seemed a little he seemed a little hurt. And then in the uh, Missouri game, not only did we get behind, he got pulled by Graham because Graham, you know, he got in Graham's face or something like that uh, along those lines. I'm not saying that's exactly what happened. So, but I know that there was a little sideline malcontent uh, there. Um, I agree. I think the season was wearing on Benny more this year than it had in past years and the terms on his body. Um, I'd like to see him. I think it might just be a case of eventually he's just going to have to get completely healthy, like especially around NFL draft time. But he's proven himself in an NFL draft stock that he was able to stay healthy for three straight seasons at that load. Um, I, I agree, man. I'd love to see Benny come back. I think especially in the bowl game, I'd like to see one last vintage Benny game because as great as Randall Cobb was, and maybe if he had a better staff around him when he was there, that he would go down as a, the, the better player. And they're both up there for the top five players in program history, I think, or at least uh, offensively in the terms of just pure, unadulterated talent. But Benny's the best, man. He really is. I, I just uh, – I, I agree with you. I just hope to see Benny bounce back. You probably more for production's sake, me just for more of that vintage, I'll remember this guy until, you know, for 50 years. Yeah. type of thing. So I'd just like to see him go off, you know, really with just a bang so we can all remember how we had the greatest running – we watched the greatest running back in the history of our program. Do you think Benny goes to the draft? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, absolutely. He projected a second rounder. Uh, that's absolutely great for running back. That's a – you don't usually pick running backs top five, and they usually go in the second round. So uh, – but – it all depends on his 40 time. I know how slow. he looks slow on film sometimes, but he's so special as like a bruising running back, man. If he could just cre- like, let's just say he has the, the combine of his life. If he can get his four five into the four, five, five, four, five, four, which is really hard to do at his size because only Derek Henry and Leonard Fournette have really, you know, since, you know, the AP days of guys that can really scoot like that at that size. But if he can, cause I'm afraid he might run about a four, seven, but if he can get four, four, five, five, four, five, four, the guy's going to be a first rounder and you can mark my words, but I don't think he'll get to that speed. So I think it will be more of like a second round pick kind of in the range that carry on Johnson and Darius guys went. But I think this guy's either a, a day one starter or be uh, a guy that, is the compliment to your Dion Lewis or your James White. Right off the bat, I think this guy gets on the field immediately in the NFL. I don't want to give too much uh, expectations, but does he kind of remind you of Marshawn Lynch a little bit, the way he plays? Marshawn Lynch. I'm trying to think of some running backs in the past because I know Marshawn Lynch is the is the popular comparison. I think that there is some potential there for sure. Um uh, yeah, I would I would say Marshawn Lynch. I think he has a little Legarrette Blunt in him too, uh, but obviously we're all straying towards that that uh, power back. That just that just brute pure power runner. So yeah, you know what? Until I think of a better comparison, I'll give you that. Marshawn Lynch sounds like the avenue that we could see Benny go. And I, a lot of the I like that comparison a lot because uh, he just got a lot of dog in him. He'll uh, he'll talk he'll talk smack. He doesn't care what he says. I, that's that's exactly what Marshall Lynch is. I think that's all uh, Benny Snell is also. Yeah, Benny's Benny's the best man. He really is. Yeah. Okay. Well, you cover the Bengals for ESPN Lexington, so you keep up with the NFL. I know we talk about that quite a bit, but the big news this week is that former Dallas Cowboys star wide receiver Des Bryant has agreed to a one-year deal to New Orleans Saints. Uh, Des was released by my Cowboys back in April and finally found a home with one of the most potent offenses in the league. The Saints are relying on Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara greatly in their passing game. And this, has helped, and, uh, this signing has helped to position a need with several receivers out due to injury. Though Des isn't the player he once was, 
How much do you think this can help Drew Brees, Drew Brees and the Saints? I'm, I'm really torn on this, Evan, because I think receiver is one of the hardest positions to come in and play on a new team. Like, for an example, the only guy I can really see it working with this year is when Golden Tate got traded from Detroit to Philly. Because when you're running routes out of the slot, I think you're closer to the quarterback. Your routes are, are more uh, specific to design to get you open in space. And I think that Golden Tate's a guy that might be able to fit in better there. But when you look at Demarius Thomas and Amari Cooper, it, receive, having a rapport with the quarterback and receiver-quarterback combos, it's really... I think it's really hard to adapt too quickly. So with Dez, it's just what role is he going to play? Is he going to play what is called between the 20s from your 20-yard line to the opponents, or is he just going to be a red zone threat, third down threat, just get him the ball? I can see it being a success and knowing how smart the Saints are that they will use him properly. I could see him being a moderate success. Kind of think of how Jimmy Graham has done in Green Bay, that type of production. I could kind of see more of that from Des Bryant as we end the year. That he's 30 years old. He was not signed to a contract by anyone. No one wanted to give Des the money he was asking for, which is a huge concern. I think that... uh, I think Dez's best days are behind him just because that's what the market said. And uh, the Saints just took a flyer here, and uh, I don't think – I don't – you know, who knows if he even makes it to the playoffs. It just depends on what his attitude is and how he performs. But I'm not expecting a lot. So if he has a big playoff game or anything, that's just more than I would expect. So, yeah, I think it's going to be very moderate production at at, at best, in my opinion. If Dez gets a touchdown his first game – I'm running around everywhere I go the next day with an X hanging up everywhere. I love Des Bryant. Uh, I, I don't know. I always liked, yeah, I always liked Des's uh, playing ability. I always thought that Des was a real gamer. It's pretty much a Madden cheat code, too. Um, I, I wonder if I, the new system can really help him. You see what Josh Gordon has done with the Patriots. Uh, shoot, that, that system. Josh Gordon is playing amazing right now. I don't think we. No, Josh Gordon's just a freak of nature. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to get that production from Dez. Obviously, uh, there's a little bit of age difference there, but um, I just really like uh, the signing for the Saints. I, I think. Oh, oh yeah, and especially uh, you were talking about Madden cheat code. Well, he's a real life cheat code too, because I've never seen someone get away with as many push offs in the end zone on those little back shoulder catches that Romo used to throw to him. So he, I, I've, that's always bothered me that he was able to push off as much as he is in the end zone. So if they use him in the end zone, he might be a real-life cheat code again if he's allowed to get those push-offs on. Yeah. Probably want to pick up Drew Brees if you only got him. I'm sure everybody's actually got Drew Brees. Uh, in fact, I've got him on my team. I have yep. one of my leagues. I was uh, It was about three weeks in. Nobody picked up Drew Brees in my fantasy league. It was crazy. What kind of fantasy league are you in? It was a, it was a six-person league, and nobody had Brees. How, how, I don't know. That just seems unhuman to me, but okay. Uh, but I, I really hope it works out with Dez. Might have to get his jersey if he's uh, playing a little, playing pretty well. But uh, <laughs> okay, uh, I want a Baker jersey too. It's pretty, pretty good. Oh boo, <laughs> boo. I, what do you think about uh, Dez? Uh, what do you think would have happened if he went to the Browns? Um, I think it would have been bad just because we see how the season has gone. I think Dez is a guy that's a lot more valuable to a winning team than he is a losing team in terms of his attitude and his effect on others. So with how the Brown season's kind of not gone the way that they wanted it to, they're currently two, six and one. I think that, I think that would have gotten in the way of uh, kind of the player development of Baker. So I think overall it was kind of a, probably a good thing. He's not there. I think it was a good media move. Everybody would be talking about the Browns even more. But, yeah, I don't I don't think the on-field production would have been uh, what we would have wanted it to be. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have talked about some NFL and college sports, but now we're going to talk a little about the NBA. Talk of the NBA, per usual, is the Los Angeles Lakers. Regardless if you think the Lakers are good or not, by the way, they're good. They are indeed interesting, <laughs> and sports analysts seem to talk about them daily. With five wins and six losses, and coming off one of their better wins of the season against one of the last of last year's playoff teams, the Minnesota Timberwolves, 
it seems as if the Lakers may be ready to assert themselves as one of the best teams in the West. Angelo, what are your thoughts on the on my Lakers so far? Well, Evan, I think that LeBron James is playing at thirty five percent. Yeah, like effort. Um, I think that. The young guys are doing well. I think Lonzo looks great this year. I think Kuzma is proving that he's going to be a 10-year, 15-year starter, like a guy that is going to give you good play in the NBA. Um, I think Josh Hart's kind of becoming a decent piece off the bench. I'm not a huge Brandon Ingram guy. Wow. Uh, I just don't. Yeah, no, you don't see it. You don't see the play. Here's the thing. You know who I'm a huge guy of? Andrew Wiggins. But I don't even believe in Wiggins' like ceiling anymore. I just don't. I don't think that he's ever going to become the T-Mac that I was hoping he'd become someday. Brandon Ingram's nothing more than a role player, man. He's like good at wow. rebounding because he's so long. He's a decent defender. He can do some things off the assist. But his scoring is so finicky for a guy that was supposed to be a natural-born 20-point-per-game scorer. They were comparing him to Durant like before the – before the draft, man, I just don't see it in Ingram. I think that he's just a good role playing piece. Like is is what he's going to be. Um, in all, sorry to hurt your feelings. I mean, I, I, I go ahead. In all fairness, Bruno Caboclo was compared to Durant as well. Uh, but right, right, that baby Durant, yeah, or yeah, Brazilian Durant. I got gotcha. you. Uh, um, I would say the veterans. I think Rondo's going to work out. I think McGee has worked out really well. I think Chandler's going to work out. Um, but overall, man, I just don't think they're a good basketball team right now. Maybe LeBron will ratchet it up and try when it's game 50 through 82. Um, he's obviously really on slow mode. Like, he really does not care right now. So, but if, if I were to just judge your basketball team the way they're playing right now, I don't you know, this was a team that I really shilled for for the beginning of the season as a 50-win ball club. People were really underrating the Lakers. But I'm, you all are not a top-eight team until LeBron picks it up, in my opinion. I think LeBron, once he decides to flip the switch, then I will consider the Lakers seriously. But until then, they're just masquerading because LeBron's not trying very hard. Top eight in the West or top eight in the league? Well, well I meant West. To be honest with you, um, but I'm just saying that's because LeBron's not trying. I Man, you admitted it. You even said, "Yeah, he's not trying." Thirty-five percent is not trying. You know, yeah. uh, when he when he flips the switch, Evan, I will I will give your team the respect it will then deserve because when LeBron turns it on, this team is going to look completely different. I I'm just okay. I got I want one thing on your uh, Wiggins and Ingram thing. Uh, Ingram is a lot of ways like Wiggins. Wiggins, like, he'll go in the corner and get absolutely lost for possessions at a time. Ingram can do that, and that's why uh, Luke Walton puts a ball in his hands sometimes and plays him at uh, point guard so he can get in the action. He just not, like, mm-hmm. he just, like, sometimes he'll just fade out like Wiggins does. That's my one knock on Wiggins. When Wiggins is engaged and has a ball in his hands, he's a 22-point-per-game 20, score easy. But like it's just hard to get him acclimated in the offense. But uh, and I think a lot of that problem too is that Thibodeau has ran Wiggins into the ground. Like I was watching that game, and every possession Wiggins was like it was hard for him to run up and down the court, and he wouldn't really move off the ball. But then I started to notice, well, Wiggins is never off of the off of the court. He's on the court literally all the time. Yeah. So. It's just a situation where I think Wiggins has been stuck kind of in a hard place with this team. I think they need a modern coach, and I think that they need to overhaul the roster once Butler's gone. I think get a new modern coach in, but that's just to help Wiggins. Anyways, I do think that Brandon Ingram brings more to the table overall on a game than uh, Wiggins does because I think he's a better – I think he's a more aggressive rebounder. I think he does a better job at seeing angles on assists. I think he's more active, uh, but then again, he doesn't have the luxury. You know, Wiggins doesn't have the luxury of being able to play only twenty-five to thirty minutes a game. But you know, I do think that Ingram does things well. I just don't. I've never watched an Ingram game and said, "Oh yeah, that guy's the future All Star." Everybody talks about, but not once have I ever seen that. Hey, last, you, have, you haven't either. Last okay, last year against the Warriors, he dropped thirty-two. That was the game. That I'm like, okay, he can hang with the big dogs. 
but he, like like he's not really consistent. He'll give you 15 every night. That's no worry. I don't I don't worry about him getting 15. It's those like superstar mm-hmm. games that worry me. But I think he's only 21 years old, so I, I'm not mm-hmm. really worried about it. But if you're putting up six, if you average 16 as a 20 year old, uh, I think you're pretty fine in the NBA. But uh, at, this year, it's just going to be it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for him. Uh, so many ball handlers on the team. Uh, there's not many uh, possessions where he can just uh, run pick and roll with uh, and just drive to the rim and try and dunk on somebody. It's got you got to share the ball with Rondo, Lonzo. Lonzo doesn't have the ball in, in his hands much, but uh, LeBron. Le, when LeBron uh, uh, passed game fifty, LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Uh, he's just going to start turning it up a little bit. Uh, I just I, I really think Ingram's going to be an All Star though. Not maybe not this year. It's going to be really hard to get it this year, but uh, I think he's destined to be an all-star in the future, especially with playing with LeBron James for the next four years. But um, And I want to talk about how you talk, You said the not a top-eight team in the West. I Honestly, okay, me watching all 82 games last year and watching all the games this year, I really think that if the Lakers hadn't signed LeBron and they hadn't brought in those other guys and they just ran it back, from last year and had uh, no injuries, that this team, uh, the team last year, would make the playoffs with Brooke Lopez and Julius Randle, maybe Isaiah Thomas. I don't know if I want to bring him back or not. But I think that team definitely makes the playoffs. I, they play, they were in all their like – I think they had 15 games decided by like three points or less. Like, And they had 35 wins last year. If I, Honestly, if Ingram and Lonzo don't go down – uh, the, I think Lonzo missed 33, and uh, no, he missed 32, and Ingram missed like 22. I think the Lakers made the playoffs last year. I, they just played really well. Luke Walton, I think he should have been a uh, discussion for Coach of the Year more than he was. And I just, I thought that this year, I thought it would be like 55 wins. I, I still think we can get 55 wins, but I don't know, man. I keep trying. I don't know. I, I think if you. If you would have ran last team last year's team back this year, I just think you would have been like the Dallas Mavericks of this year, essentially, where you can win some games, you have some young players, you've got some veterans, but there's not really a light at the end of the, at that tunnel. I think the difference between last year and this year is you brought back the good things from last year's team, the young guys, and you added LeBron James, who's only going to really maximize those guys off of the ball. I think um, I think you'll make the playoffs this year for sure, uh, especially when. Uh, LeBron ratchets it up because he's definitely saving himself for that. You know, his season starts in February and because he's got to play those games and then grind through the playoffs. Cause that's, I mean, you know, you, as much as I want to criticize LeBron for being so apathetic towards the beginning of this year, he's been in the league 15 years. He knows how this works. The dude might be gunning for it this year. The it, it, like he might, and once he rests up, he might be in the mind state of like the Warriors are going down with this team, and I'm making the finals, and I'm winning this year. Like that might be his mind state, man. When everybody said he's just taking the year off, so I think uh, I think it, that last year's team would not have made the playoffs this year. Uh, they might have been close, like Dallas would be close, but they're not. They wouldn't have made it over the the talent that this the Western Conference has. Um, but. In the end, uh, you could have been right just because I think the Timberwolves have to implode at some point, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, but, but overall, uh, you all are in good position. You all are going to be just fine uh, throughout this year. And I think, uh, I think JaVale McGee was a great signing, man. I really think he's kind of – I think he's got those immature you know, tendencies out of his ways. He's a really good basketball player, and he's kind of the guy that you really needed. And then Tyson's just the antithesis in such a good way. Uh, you're 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 pretty stacked right now. I will have to say that the future looks bright in uh, Lakerland. Okay. Well, I got one more thing here uh, on the Lakers. In the next eight games, we got the Kings, Hawks, the Magic twice, Heat, and Cavs, which are all very winnable games. Plus games against the Blazers at home, who we beat last week, and the struggling Jazz. And they'd lost four in a row for beating Dallas last night at home. So I think this uh, upcoming stretch, honestly, I think they should get eight wins in a row here. If there's no injuries or anything, they should get eight wins in a row. Uh, if LeBron doesn't rest or anything, uh, and that that'll be great momentum uh, in the season. I, what are we? At? We're four and we're five and six. 
that'd be uh, 13 and 6. That'd be phenomenal for our first 19 games. And uh, one more, another thing. When you said uh, LeBron might be just waiting and uh, determined to beat the Warriors uh, this year, I honestly, I think the Lakers can take the Warriors to six games minimum because I really, this, this roster wasn't constructed for the regular season. Uh, it's tr- constructed for the playoffs. You got Tyson Chandler, uh, who beat LeBron in the finals in 2011 with Dallas. You've got Rondo, uh, won the 2008 championship against uh, my team, Lakers. But uh, he got a championship. <laughs> and then you got uh, some other guys, uh, Lance Stevenson, uh, battled against LeBron. He's got guys that will go to war with him. And I think having that against the Warriors uh, can really benefit. And these young guys – Having a whole year under LeBron, uh, under LeBron, uh, will really help them come playoff time, and I think they'll be ready to go against the Warriors. And uh, with Houston struggling, I think we can get past Houston. Only I think we're the second best team in the West, other other than the Warriors. That's I I don't think. Wow. Regular season. Wow. Come on. Okay, in the playoffs, are you taking anybody in the West over the Lakers, other than the Warriors? Honestly. In the playoffs, yeah. Um, well, we'll wait to be, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. I think I think there are a couple teams on here that have that potential. By the way, I do think you at least have one loss in your game. Saying I think the Blazers will win uh, against the Lakers. Yeah, you can wait. Last week, yeah, last week. Last week, how many times you play the Blazers a year? Four. We already played them twice. Wait, they're in the same. They're in the same uh, division as the Lakers. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's four, but I think. This will be the third one. I thought you said you said you play you say you play them though. Yeah. Like this in your eight game stretch coming up, you play them. You said the you said the Cavs, the Magic, the Hawks, the Jazz, the Hawks, Kings, and Blazers. Yeah, we got the Blazers again. Okay, I think I think you'll take an L to the Blazers. I think you'll take an L. And this is just hey, just you could call me out on Twitter if I'm wrong and say I thought you said this, man. I will own up to this, man. I think it lose to the Blazers. You lose to the Jazz. And uh, watch out for the for the team up north. The, and no, not the not the uh, Warriors, but those uh, Sacramento Kings. Better watch out. I'm not saying you're going to lose. I'm not saying you're going to lose. I'm just saying watch out. I'm just saying watch out. Okay. I, I, Didn't say you'd lose. I'm going to be mad, though, if uh, Lonzo sets out and people give me hate on Twitter again. I, I, Man, people need to get off of Lonzo. People, Lonzo looks great, by the way. Like, you see, like the, dude's, the dude's such a baller. Yeah, did you see that alley he made? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah he shoots it four times yeah. a game, and he can completely change a game. I, I'd keep Lonzo's. Lonzo's a special basketball player, man. People need to get off him. Okay, uh, thank you for that. I, I try and tell people every day Lonzo's not a bust. But Angelo, thank you again for coming on the show. Great to have you on again. Really, our time on the podcast. You've came on twice. And this is two of my best shows. I'm getting hate on the Lakers too bad, so that's a plus. <laughs> I never hate on him. I never hate. I'll just give it to you the way I feel. But I appreciate it. I love coming on your show. It's always fun to take, you know, an hour or less out of my day just to kind of just to kind of shoot sports with you, man. It's always a good time. Well, I really appreciate it. Uh, as always, you can find all of our shows on iTunes, SoundCloud, our website, www.balltalkpod.com, and all our social media outlets. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe. Thank you.